Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. Welcome to Fit for Life. I'm Pastor Lydia. This morning we're going to be talking about the month of Kesleev, which is what we're in right now, and what it means for us, and um, and uh, just exactly what we should be doing doing during this month of Kesleev. And it's butts up to uh, Hanukkah, which is the season of miracles. So it's it's really exciting how we've gone through all the holidays, the fall holidays, to get us to this point. From waking up to repenting to, you know, just having a new beginning to now uh, doing and having an ear for God to understanding what um, his cycle of life is, which is how the months in the Jewish calendar flow. It's a cycle of life. Every month has a specific uh, topic that we should be doing on it. And during the month of Kesleev, we are to remember that the world was created for our sakes, according to Rabbi Bunim. Uh, and it's about serving God in a unique way because God has given each and every one of us a unique talent, a unique mission that he has already predestined in us. And sometimes things doesn't go our way or we think we're not supposed to be doing that or why am I doing this? Well, you know, God puts that in us to do certain things a certain way. And it's also about remembering uh, the giving of the Torah to the Jewish people and what we have gained because of that gift of Torah. Amen. Uh, We all have our our special gifts, like I said before, and talents. And, you know, I just thank God that he made us all so unique that we can all glean from one another. We're here to help one another. And as we go down... um, the list that I have here, uh, we'll see how we're to be united. The whole thing is to be united as one big family, which is what, you know, Christians should be. Unfortunately, we are so divided. You know, everybody has their, uh, we're the ones. No, no, God has everybody doing the same thing. We're to be doing the same thing. But man has got in there and decided to put what he thinks in the mix instead of doing what the Bible tells us to do. <laughs> and and I just thank God that pastor is like that. He tries to do everything the Bible tells him to do. But even when he gets to heaven, like he said, God's going to say, well, you missed that one. <laughs> you know, because we're not perfect. We don't know everything. The Holy Ghost doesn't reveal to us everything. But... We're to stay steady, on pace, and doing what, you know, what the Word says. That's why he gave us the Bible, our instruction booklet. (laughs) We must know during this time who we are, remember who we are, why we're here. If we start to feel like we are, we in our lives are insignificant, we run the risk of not caring about our actions. And we see that so plainly uh, today. Um... And I thought about that when I saw that. If we think our lives are insignificant, how many people today think they're just insignificant? God is not using them. He's not going to use them. Things are going so badly. The world's telling them they're nothing. <laughs> you, don't, you don't even have the sense to go get a driver's license, ID, 
<laughs> like who says that to people? You know that you, you know you're dumb. You're just you know you don't know what you're doing. You know and it's like you need to be guided, and we need to help you. And it's like no, no. God gave us a brain. He gave us the ability to think. Otherwise, we're just like sheep, which is the Bible says the sheep will always be there. <laughs> you know, we are like sheep in some instance, but that's why he gives us a mind and he gives us the ability to see beyond the natural and to hear beyond the natural, hear the voice of God in whatever we do. Um, if that happens, when people feel so insignificant, we either allow our impulses to dominate our behavior or we slouch and give into inactivity. And we see that, too, with all the stuff that's been going on. People have regressed into inactivity, and that's not a good thing. If these things start to happen, we must remind ourselves that we are special and specially created by God. Because if we don't understand who we are, if we don't know that God created us special, we each have something special, then... uh, you start thinking, what is it for me to do? I don't have to do anything, you know, which comes into two. I think I think either Luke or Pastor said it that um, people just give up and say, well, if it's God's will, if it's God's will, it'll happen. But no, <laughs> he put us here to help it happen. So, you know, we start it and then he engages, amen. <laughs> uh, he has a mission for me and you that only we can achieve, and when I think about that, I, it just motivates me. It's like, okay, what am I doing? What is it that he gave me? Because I never thought in a million years that I would be a pastor. I mean, and when Scott, we got saved and he talked about it, I'm like, no way. <laughs> so I am definitely not pastor wife material. <laughs> and then I thought, and then here I am, ended up doing the same thing. But I thought about it when I was younger. Um, I, was, I wanted to be a nun. I did. I even went to a school, had the black and white uniforms on uh, to be a nun. And then I thought, thank God he got me out of that. But, you know, my heart was to be closer to Jesus. So I guess it all turned around. (laughs) And in the end, hey, I'm back. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to get closer to Jesus again, but in a different way. So what I was thinking was not his will for me. And so he switched it around, even though I had the right motive, but he switched it around to get me to where I am today. <laughs> even though I used to think I'd be like the, I think that movie, which will age me, the, I think it's called, the, was it The Singing Nun? With Sally Phil, she always got in trouble. I believe that's how I would have been. <laughs> always doing things <laughs> that I'm not supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah, so here I am. But... Um, we all are on a divine mission, and when you think about that, it just motivates you, and well, it should, and just think, you know, God is going to use me in a special way, and things might not be going the way you think they should be going in your life. Circumstances happen. Uh, people do things to you that you don't want to happen or like to happen, but you know, God's still in the mix. He's still engaged. He's still directing you to do what you need to be doing. And it might not be what your other people are doing, but it's what you need to do to do. And he created it, created us to solely, and he enables us to accomplish the assignment that he has entrusted to us. And I'm like, okay, God, you entrusted this to me. I'm going to study. And sometimes, you know, they're like, you're always studying. 
And like, well, I got to get what I think God wants me to teach. You know, and it's so funny because Scott studies too. But of course, he gets up at the crack of dawn and I'm just not getting up that early. (laughs) He did that today and I'm like, why are you up at 4 o'clock, 4.30, 5 o'clock? But he forgot to fall back. So he said, if I had realized that, I would have went back to bed. But he's up anyway at 5, 5.30. And I'm like, you're up at 4 this time. But I went back to sleep. (laughs) The Talmud says that when we are united, God is willing to overlook even the serious transgressions that we've done. And Psalms 26, 12 says, I will praise God among a multitude. It also says in the Amplified that my foot stands on an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. So he wants us to be united. His whole thing about sending Jesus here was to unite us so we can be in one vision and one accord, praising him, doing the mission that he has sent us here and created us to do. Amen. When we do things together, we give and we receive. Some of us are strengthened in their resolve, uh, with us are strengthened in their resolve and actions by our participation, and we are stimulated and encouraged by theirs. So it's a give and a take. It's like, you know, when you get together, um, together in a like-mindedness or like with, we do corporate prayer here, you know, on Saturdays, every second Saturday of the month. You can feel that. Everybody comes in, they're talking, they're chatting, and then we get together and talk about what we need to pray for. And right now, um, I have people not praying in, their, in English and what they think they need to pray for. We're all praying in our heavenly language, in the spirit, because we want the spirit to move. We don't want to interfere with what God has for us. And while they're doing that, you can feel the energy. Everybody, they get louder. I mean, we just get, you can tell they get more intense and they're praying because they're praying the will of God and not what they're thinking. And sometimes that's, and not sometimes, but oftentimes that's what I tell my prayer partners. When pastor starts to pray for people or say that hand, that hand, start praying in your heavenly language. So when you go forward, you're behind the, the perfect person you're supposed to be behind. Or you have the mind of God when somebody asks you to pray, not only for salvation, but other things. Because some people come up there not for salvation even though he's calling for salvation. Some people go up there because they just want prayer. And so when you're with somebody, you just need to have the mind of God and give them what God wants for them at that time. So we, that's why we pray in a heavenly language. And you know, and when we pray in the spirit, it's just so electrifying. And you're expecting God to move. I mean, if you're just playing English, sometimes you don't know what to say. You're just reaching for things to say. And you don't know, uh, is God going to move because you're actually begging? (laughs) God, I need this. I need this to change. I need this person to change. I want the, you know, but sometimes God, he doesn't respond to that because you're not praising him. You're not, you're begging him to do something And, you know, and sometimes it gets to that point. But when you pray in your heavenly language, it's the perfect prayer for what you need. Amen. We have experienced miracles in this church uh, when the whole church family has gotten united and prayed. I mean, Luke, Pastor uh, Tiz, uh, not Luke, Lion and Pastor Tiz 
And then there's other people. People have been healed from breast cancer, you know, heart disease. It's been miracle after miracle in this church body that uh, we have seen because people were united in praying for one another, and we need to continue that. Leviticus 26.8 says, When a multitude observes the Torah, their strength is merely is not merely additive, but increased exponentially or more and more. It's increased more and more when we come together and pray and observe the, uh, the Torah as a multitude. When a multitude observes the Torah, observes God's word, does what it says, their, their strength, he strengthens us in every aspect that we need. And sometimes we forget that. Our strength and power comes from uh, joining others in prayer, reading the word, studying Torah, and doing mitzvahs. That's where our strength and our power comes from. Uh, Pastor is constantly talking about us um, emphasizing the power and necessity of doing acts of kindness. Uh, God wants us to always uh, do acts of kindness, to love others in spite of their imperfections. When somebody's doing something you don't like, you don't need to confront them all the time. I mean, you can say something, but some people just don't accept it because they're doing what they want to do. They're, I, I think this is what I should be doing. I'm going to do this. But it's an imperfection. And so we just need to pray for them. And sometimes we have to step back and let them do what they're doing and just pray for them because God answers our prayers. Uh, none of us are perfect, only Jesus, but we are to strive to be like he was. He came to save and to unite us. And sometimes we forget that. We think he just came to save us, to do our salvation, heal us, and all that stuff. But he came to unite us. And during this time of Kesleep, that's it's all about uniting us. And so we have one mind and one accord. The Bible says that God um, relates to us the same way we relate, we relate to other people. And when you think about that, it's like, okay, that's why we're slow to speak. <laughs> Because if he's going to relate to me the way I relate to other people, I I need to be careful. (laughs) Um, Sometimes we forget that. But God, thank God for repentance and the word, I'm sorry. So if we do something, we can always say, Lord, I repent and I am so sorry for what I said, from what I did, and he's faithful to forgive us. It's to our benefit to relate to other people the same way we want God to relate to us. Love one another as I have loved you, remembering uh, that will help us in the long run. The world is um, trying to their best to separate us, and they're doing a good job. But we have to remember when we see that, when we hear that, it's like, that is not what God wants. That is not of God. And if you look at the things happening, we can tell it's not lining up with God's word. And that's how we need to look at things. Is it lining up with the word of God? If it's not, it's not of God. It's of the devil. And that's the way we need to pray and think about it. It's not of God and it's of the enemy because he's working hard. And the old, what's the old saying? Um, divide and conquer. And that's what the world is doing. They're trying to divide us and then conquer us with the Marxists and whatever they're trying to do, communism, all that stuff. They're trying to make us who we are not here in, the, in America, you know, and, and having a lot of um, 
illegals come over and, and everybody kept thinking and they put it out there, they leaked it out there. And so they, the voting, but really it's to collapse our system because when people are, uh, oh, as many people, I, I'm shocked at how many people they said over 600,000 people a month they're letting into our country. And so what does that do? It, you know, there's more people that have to eat, and they're talking about stuff being slow to come in, the ports and everything, and I think they're doing that on purpose too. But more people need to eat, more people need to have uh, um, clothes, more people need, and it's not just us spending more, which is what they're trying to say. No, we're saving our money because everything's go- the economy, the uh, everything is up higher. We've never, ever had to pay over $3 for gas. And it's at three twenty nine. We saw today. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> so even if we try to save our money, we're spending more because inflation. And it's like, okay, they're trying to, but you know what? America is not going to let that happen. We are not going to let that happen. We're going to focus and see and look spiritually at the things that are going on in the world today. And we need to do that. And we need to stand on that because when it's not lining up with the word of God, it's the enemy working. And we need to know that. So we need to know what to pray against. Amen. And for God has always given me strength to withstand the stresses to which I'm subjected to. And he'll do the same thing for, for all of you. He also knew that we can't do it by ourselves. It's not good for man to be alone. And sometimes when you read that scripture, we think it's husband and wife, but it's not good for us to be alone either. (laughs) We actually need one another to fulfill our mission here on earth. We were created to be leaders as Christians. That's the whole thing. Put a Christian in office so our country, our world, our nation works the way it should be according to God. Amen. According to the word of God, we have 10 wonderful responsibilities as Christians that God has given us. And that's what I'm going to basically kind of focus on today, being united, having the responsibilities that God has given us, um, because these responsibilities also guarantee that our blessings are passed down. Generational blessings are passed down from generation to generation, because if we read the word, it always talks about generations and how the parents passed it down to their kids and they kept it going. An example of that, um, how it was halted, is Jacob taking Esau's blessing. And Esau, he despised his birthright. He despised, he did not want to hand down what his father was teaching him. So his mother, uh, Rachel, conspired to have Jacob get it. And then at the end, Esau cried about it because he realized what he'd done. Well, some of us need to cry. (laughs) Some people need to cry because they're not handing down the right things to their children. So when they grow up, they can be responsible adults. They can know how to behave, know how to follow the word of God. And, and And we see that kids having kids, they're not handing anything down. And that's why kids today are so bad. (laughs) I was trying to think of a different word to say it, but they are so bad and disrespectful that it's like, who taught you? Where's the grandmas? Where's where's the parents that tell you how you should behave and act and respond to adults and and the respect? And and that's what happens um, 
when you don't do these responsibilities. <laughs> the first one is work, to work. We're to work. In Genesis, he made Adam and Eve to tend the garden. Uh, work is not the center of life. It gives us an opportunity to express Torah and Christian values. When you're at work, you should be expressing those things in your behavior and how you're doing things. According to Jewish law or tradition, a person should work for a living, but he should work to live not live to work. And sometimes we get that turned around. And I, you know, I was thinking about Scott and I said, man, we haven't been anywhere here in Texas since we got here because we were working. So now we need to change it around and we need to work, but we need to, you know, we need to work to live so we can live according to how God wants us to live. And he says he gives us rewards. He gives us satisfaction. He gives us uh, a good life is what uh, he wants to give us. Amen. I read this, uh, Billy Graham had uh, this to say when he was asked about retirement. And pastor, how often pastor talks about, I'm not retiring. Well, Billy Graham never retired until he absolutely had to. And, uh, and pastor's probably going to be the same way. And, and I think about Scott, we're like, retire, retire, well, nah. <laughs> of course, we want to save like we're retiring. But, <laughs> but, uh, but retire is, it, you know, it's, I don't know, it's not really a good thing. Uh, Billy Graham said, the goal of retirement, which is new to this age, because people didn't really retire back in the day. They kept working and taking care of their families, uh, suggests that you're only concerned about yourself. What will you do with the remaining years of your life once you retire? Will you pursue a life of self-centered indulgence, living only for yourself? If so, you will end up restless, bored, and empty. And how many times you see people like that when they get older and they retire? Because people nowadays retire at 50. I'm like, what? I'm way past that. And it's like, what would I be doing? <laughs> what would you be doing? Uh, um, and it's like, man, he says, instead, ur I urge you to put your life into God's hands by committing your life to Jesus Christ Put him at the center of your life, for only then will you find lasting joy, peace, and satisfaction. And I look around, and when you stop moving, like a lot of people when they retire, they don't do everything they used to do. When you stop moving, your body starts to slowly shut down. Your blood pools because you're sitting more. You're not moving. Uh, and, and it doesn't flow through your body like it should be. So we need to keep activity. We need to have activity to live. And sometimes people forget that. And, you know, it's like, yeah, you see people just sitting there. People say, I'm just going to get my reclining chair and my big TV, and that's what I'm going to do. And that's how a lot of people start getting sick because their blood is not moving and flowing through their body the way that it should because they're sedentary. And it's like, okay, God, we're not going to be like that, especially if you have grandkids. Run around with them. You know, I'm watching mine, and he's a year old, and he's very busy, and I, I'm showing him how to do somersaults. And my daughter's like, are you doing somersaults? <laughs> I said, I have done a few. <laughs> but it's like, you're old. Stop doing that. I said, I can still do it, though. But, and she sees him trying to do it, so it's, it's just fun. The Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that 
from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So work heartily as to the Lord, which keep moving, doing something for God. Uh, the second one is be uh, courageous. Joshua 1, 9 says, have I not commanded you? <laughs> and I saw that. And I'm like, oh, boy, he's really, have I not commanded you? How many parents are, have I not told you? <laughs> Be strong, vigorous, you know, uh, moving and very courageous. Be not afraid, neither dismayed or confused, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And, you know, you think about that. Yeah, God, you're with me in every circumstance that happens, whether I would like it or not. You're in it when I love it. You're in it when I hate it. <laughs> you're here with me. But be strong and vigorous and very courageous because it takes courage to live. I mean, think about it. It takes courage to live, especially in this day and age. So we need to remember that. He's like, have I not commanded you? Have I not told you this is what you need to do? <laughs> Uh, it's a great virtue to have. True courage is that which is in your side, your heart. You speak and act with courage, but you don't make an issue of it. Uh, examples of that having courage is life groups. You're out there trying to talk to people that you don't know or some you might know, and you're trying to impart God's word into them. Volunteering people get rude. <laughs> So you got to be courageous to be, you know, any volunteering anywhere uh, outside of the church, in the church, because the same people come. Uh, and street outreach, you have to be have courage to go out there in the street and talk to strangers. Uh, so we must stay uh, involved with God so we're able to do everything he wants us to do. And, I mean, even you see people out there with signs holding things up. You want to talk to them. They're just out there for money. Some of them, that's their job. You know, some of them, they need help. You don't always know who that is. Ask God to direct you. But, you know, whether you give it a good mitzvah or not, um, you're still doing what God wants you to do. Be helpful. You know, be courageous and say, like John said, what you have, I don't have. But this I do have, the word of God. So let me tell you about it. <laughs> Somebody told me one person was out there said she needed some money for food. And so they went and bought her food. And um, she was giving her the bag of food, and the lady just snatched it because she didn't really want the food. She wanted the money for something else. So, you know, even though she did do a mitzvah, the person didn't accept it, but she still did it. So that's a good thing. Number three is to be strong. First Corinthians six thirteen. First Corinthians sixteen thirteen. Be alert and on your guard. I love how it tells it in the Amplified Bible. Be alert and on your guard. Stand firm in your faith, your conviction, respecting man's relationship to God and divine things, keeping the trust and holy fever born of faith and a part of it. Act like men and be courageous. Grow in strength. So act like human beings. Act like Christians and be courageous and grow in strength. Don't stay where you are. Don't be stagnant. Grow in strength knowing God is with you all the time. Trusting God as, a, as our true source of strength. We might not have all the answers, 
but move forward in faith and God will engage in whatever you're doing. Let there be no fear, no confusion when we know God has told us to do something or you have the inkling to do something. Sometimes we don't have the inkling on our own, believe me. <laughs> when God tells you, and you go, what, me, go after that person? <laughs> that's, that's not yourself telling you that. So, you know, be strong and courageous and, and do it. Because sometimes he'll find somebody else to do it. He will always find somebody else. But it's to your benefit to listen to God, listen to the, uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, number four is to love, 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 4 and 5, love is patient and kind, not envious, doesn't dishonor another, doesn't keep record of wrongdoing, and it's the first and greatest commandment. And our greatest example of love that we could ever have is Jesus Christ. Amen? Because he did above and beyond what any of us could even fathom doing. And he did it because he loved us, even though he was human, and he knew what was happening, he still did it. And sometimes it's like, I am not going to do that, Lord. <laughs> sometimes we just feel that way, don't we? It's like, I, they, they, don't, they don't care. They're not doing what they should be doing. <laughs> and sometimes we just need to love them. And sometimes it's love is just praying for them. Sometimes all we can do is pray, because like they said, when Jesus went to his hometown, they said, ah, he's just Joseph, the carpenter's son. Nobody wanted to listen to anything he had to say, so he left. And sometimes that's what we need to do, but you pray for them. He didn't give up on them, though. <laughs> Number five is uh, to be a lifelong partner. Ephesians 4.32 says, be useful and helpful, kind to each other, tender-hearted, understanding, forgiving quickly and freely as God and Christ forgives us. And sometimes lifelong par partner is not necessarily a marriage. Sometimes it's friends, friends, your family, to be there for them all the time. Friends, we have best friends, we have associates, we have, you know, they're all friends, but we need to be there for them through thick and thin. If they're your best friend, you need to be there through thick and thin, Right? Uh, if you've been in any type of relationship at all, you know it's not easy to keep it going without patience and the ability to forgive and to want to forgive and to want to cultivate that relationship. Uh, you just need to brush things off and keep moving forward. Um, I have a girlfriend that I've known since she was we were like 13, and we don't talk all the time, but when we do get together and talk, it's like we never left each other. You know, it's like, now that's a best friend. And no matter what she says and no matter what she does, we're still going to be best friends. Well, I might not agree with everything she says. And just like when you're here in church and you meet friends and you might not agree with everything they say, but you're still going to be friends. So we need to always make sure a lifelong partner. People need people. Amen. Number six, to serve sacrificially. John 15, 13 says, no one has a greater love or shown stronger affection than to lay down, their, lay down, give up his own life for his friends and covenant partner. And it's like, okay, that's Jesus again. <laughs> lay down his life for us. But some of us would do that for our friends. Some of us would do that for our friends. But doing good works, even when it's, it's about doing good works, even when it's costly inconvenient or challenging you still want to you know serve somebody i think there was a song like that scott would know that song he'd be singing it right now in torah 
It's about offering ourselves wholeheartedly and living for God in every part of our being like Jesus did. You can look at it uh, as truly being a part of the ministry by giving, volunteering, ready to do whatever you can to make it work all, to make it all work because your family doesn't work if you're not all together. Your friendship doesn't work if you both aren't working together. Uh, Marriages don't work if you're not working together. And, uh, and sometimes you just have to, you know, it might be challenging, it might be costly, you know, and sometimes things don't work because they're not meant to work. <laughs> and we need to just accept that also, okay, God, you have something better for me. You know, maybe you were in some, uh, I know when Scott was married, he got married just to get away out of the house, you know, and some people do that. Well, that's not necessarily the way to start a relationship, <laughs> so you need to think of all those things when things go awry or when they, you know, and you can work on it to try to get it to work, but you both have to want the same thing, and sometimes that doesn't work. So serve sacrificially, um, but be ready to do what God wants you to do and to move on if he changes things. Number seven, be compassionate. First Peter 3, 8 says, finally, all of you should be of one and the same mind, united in spirit, sympathizing with one another, loving each other as brethren of the same household, compassionate, courteous, tenderhearted, and humble. Um, we get people back in church. We need to get people back in church to build up their faith and uh, show them how much you care. Be motivating to these to others doing mitzvahs, acts of kindness, allocating time to bond with your family, with your friends. Uh, Action is associated with compassion. So doing something shows compassion. Don't just sit on the sidelines when you know someone needs help or encouragement. I heard the saying many times in church and in business, people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care about them. And it goes a long way, whether it's in business or whether it's in church You know, that's why we try to keep track of everybody. You know, we do phone calling when we haven't seen people uh, just to say, hey, how are you doing? We missed you. Sometimes people hate it when we call (laughs) because they think we want something. But it's like we want to just reach out to you. And some people don't always tell when they need help. Some people don't always tell you when they're sick. So if we have other people in our church doing the same thing, being of one accord, one mind, then we can always stay on top of who needs help and who needs who needs encouragement at that time. Amen. Number eight, to provide. First Timothy five eight says, if anyone fails to provide for his his relatives and especially for those of his own family, he has disowned the faith by failing to accompany it with fruit, and is worse than an unbeliever who performs this obligation. Uh, who performs his obligation in these matters, which means he's doing it. Why not us as Christians? Why are we not doing it? And sometimes, you know, that happens, and sometimes it doesn't happen, but we need to be there to help our relatives, and sometimes we can help them from a distance, (laughs) but we should be always ready to provide or to help them if they need help, amen? And that's with anybody. And when you talk about that, our relatives, and especially those in our own family, Our church is our family. It should be like that. 
And uh, that's where benevolence comes in here at church. Through the church, through missions and uh, or other organizations like that, we need to know who in our church family needs help in some in some things and do everything we can to help them. Uh, that's where communication comes in. If we stay in communication with everybody in our church family, then we know what's going on in people's lives and we know if they need help. Uh, if we as a church can't help them uh, with certain things, then we should be able to try and find a facility or organization that can help. I know in uh, Portland and in Irving, when we were over there, I was over Star Throwers. We had it called Star Throwers, and it was benevolence, and we did food boxes, and we did uh, clothing exchanges and things like that and helped people get jobs. Um, and I miss doing that, but we have no room here to do it because that church was bigger, so we had storage areas. We had a lot of things that we were doing, but it's be helpful to relatives and members of your house and congregation. We all need to know what's going on in people's lives that come through our, our doors because some people just fade away and then they get mad and they think the church doesn't care. <laughs> That's the first thing that comes up. Well, the church doesn't care. I've been gone for over a week. Well, you never told anybody you needed anything. But then nobody also kept in contact with them so we could know so we could help. So it's a Catch-22, but, you know, that's why we need to communicate with one another. Amen. Uh, number nine, uh, to be accountable. Uh, Hebrews 4.13 says, Not a creature exists that is concealed or hidden from his sight, but all things are open and exposed, naked and defenseless to the eyes of God. And so be accountable. If you think no one's watching, you're wrong. <laughs> everybody's watching, God's watching, and he's the most important. Uh, The dictionary defines accountability as the fact or condition of being accountable and responsibility to taking ownership of the results produced by one's actions. And I thought this was interesting. The age of accountability in the Bible really means the age of sufficient understanding. That's why it says what... uh, What's sent to us might not necessarily be sent to somebody else because they don't have the sufficient understanding of what we know. So we need to make sure we're taking that into account when we're, you know, talking about other people <laughs> or when we see what they're doing and go, how can they do that? Well, they might not have the sufficient understanding that we have. And so we need to be compassionate <laughs> and we need to, you know, help them get the understanding, but don't make judgments on people because they don't have the same Uh, knowledge that we have. Amen. Being accountable is being responsible for fulfilling one's duties and obligations in a business or a church. It's about taking ownership of the results. Uh Uh-oh, where's my other papers? (laughs) It's about taking ownership, and I lost it all somewhere, um, of the results. But it's also about um, producing by one's actions, but being responsible, focus on the defined roles of a person. A defined role of a person is being responsible and what they value and value what they bring to the table. Accountability is essential is essential in a church for healthy growth because we minister to one another through our relationships. So we need to make sure we're having relationships with one another so we can all be accountable to God. Amen. We can, uh, we can see in our world today that the lack of accountability has corroded public respect. And we see that through kids. We see it through adults. It's just ridiculous, actually. <laughs> 
Uh, number 10, to be honorable. Honor means to regard or treat someone with respect and admiration, to give special recognition and listening to and obeying the wishes of someone in a, as an example uh, is an example of honoring them. Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and, ac- and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on, weigh, and take account of these things and fix your mind on them. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may, be, we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us taking paths, which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them living the good life which he pre- prearranged and made ready for us to live. So all the things we're doing, we need to be honorable in the things that we're doing so we can live the good life that God has prearranged for us to have. Romans 12:10 says, "Love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another." And um when I was reading all this to Scott, he said, uh, all of these 10 responsibility or characteristics as a, is a Christian common sense, and it's how we should live our daily lives. Amen. So during the month of Kesley, the month of November, that's what it's all about. I guess that's why Thanksgiving's in here, so we can uh, be around people and show, uh, show our Christian values and show what God has for us. And thanks for that. And just live a good life according to what we already know God has already planned for us to have. Amen.